Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, January 25th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adelia Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Gettys. Let Tim host. How was your weekend, Bless? It was a good weekend, Tim. Mm-hmm. Hung out, played a lot of video games, watched oh, a lot yeah. of that Samsung TV Plus. I've been trying to preach the gospel of Samsung uh-huh. TV Plus. I know I've talked about it on shows before, but if you're unaware, if you have a Samsung Smart TV, get get that remote. You know, go on, go the tab over the sources and go over to Samsung TV Plus and just go through the go through the guide. Just see what's because there. Some of, the, some of the channels on there might surprise you. It, yeah. it just like, seems this, like you've been paid out. You know what I mean? Like it just seems I, like someone is paying you to say this. And I don't feel like it's Samsung. It's some weird company that's hired by Samsung. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no, weird. Nobody's paying me. Nobody's paying me. Wink. Uh, but no, <laughs> dude, they got. I, I know I sound like a salesperson right now. No, you're the channels, not wrong, man. The channels that are on Samsung TV Plus are awesome because you have Nick Pluto, which is basically old classic Nick shows. And so you have stuff like SpongeBob. You have Hey Arnold. Then you also have like iCarly, which I don't know if that, that's considered classic yet. Well, but at it's this getting point, there. that's the thing. At, at some point, those shows have to become classic again. Exactly. And so you have you have that channel. You have a channel called Anime All Day, which just plays Yu-Gi-Oh! the whole time. You have a, a, a Bob Ross channel. You have uh, uh, Ven, you know, with shout out to Ven. They, they're mm-hmm. the whole, like, it's, it's kind of like G4. If G4 was more focused on esports, there's mm-hmm. an IGN channel. And I had it on just yesterday watching NBC and uh, uh, the Xbox show Unlocked and all that stuff. I'm like, it is just a great thing to have on in the background while I'm doing whatever. Like, I'm on this monitor playing Sekiro and I have IGN going on this TV. I was yeah. living the life this weekend, Tim. Dude, I, I respect that, man. I, I was living a, a similar life, watching a lot of things uh, in the big WandaVision mood. So me and G oh. were like, let's go. Let's watch some old weird shit. So we watched uh, the Truman Show, and then we watched the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel back to back. I don't Great think movies. it's been done in recorded history. Dude, fantastic movie, specifically the first one. I was like, yo, this is this is legitimately really good. Is I'm just shocked. What's what's the eldest sister? Marsha. Marsha looks a lot like the original Marsha, right? They all look ridiculously it's, like their it original freaks, character. It freaks oh, were they me out a actors? lot. Yeah, the, like what, the what? movie was many, many years later, right? Uh, it was like a decade plus later. To 20 okay. years later. No, they yeah, make a joke. They make a joke in the movie that uh like 20 years ago, some shit. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, it would actually be 40 years ago now. That's wild. It's fucking crazy. That's and it's, wild it's off by about. like two or three years, but insane. Anyways, go watch the Brady Bunch movie. It's a it's a trip, man. That's awesome. Also watch Truman Show, because Truman Show is an amazing movie. Yeah, My first time I, watching Truman Show, I was blown away. I haven't seen it since I was little and I didn't understand it then because I was a dumb little kid. Watching it now, I was like, this is some this is some good shit. And I can imagine like going into this without knowing anything, it would be one of the trippiest movies of all time. So that's cool as hell. Shout out to the 90s for being fucking weird. Yeah, shout out to the 90s. Also, shout out to Video Game News. Of course, this is kind of funny games daily. So we're going to talk about things like Xbox reversing Xbox Live gold pricing, uh, Vicarious Visions merging into Blizzard, and GameStop stocks won't stop because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily. There's also a Wild and Out channel, like a 24-7 a whole wild channel for Wild and Out? A whole channel for Wild and Out, and I can't See- stress enough how much how awesome that is that is fantastic because that's the type of show that i literally could just watch for hours at a time yep right it is just like it's just goodness that just comes and goes and it's just it's, it's like the, it's the good type of noise like at what point exactly. does noise become music that's wild and out that, exactly and it's, it's it's the perfect thing too because a lot of the shit i'm not gonna like just sit down and watch is the type of shit that i just want on in the background wild mm-hmm. now 24 7 definitely mm-hmm. went on in the background uh to be a part of the show at the patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you uh the ps i love you xoxo resurrection bracket is happening later today live on patreon.com slash kind of funny games uh me and greg we're making 
making dead PlayStation franchises, battle it out to see which one deserves to come back to life. You want to be in the audience for that one because tiebreakers will be decided by the audience vote. Uh, that'll be up for everyone, of course, at the regular time tomorrow on Tuesday. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by patreon.com slash games, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. Oh, Baker's dozen. Before we get into that, I want to say the last housekeeping thing that we need to add is that this Saturday will be the final 12-hour live stream for Kind of Funny Day 2021 that we will be doing from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. this Saturday. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. What do we have? do? We have anything planned for that? Any exciting? Any exciting reveals? We have so many exciting things planned, including. Oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> fight to the That's death. That's what we got to. Yeah, we'll have to see Saturday. Finally, we're finally it. Anyway. doing it. The fight to the death. <laughs> uh, story number. Go for it. St- story number one. Uh, Microsoft has re- has reversed the Xbox Live Gold price increase. This is from uh, an Xbox Wire blog post that went up this last Friday. Quote. We messed up today, and you're right to let us know. Connecting and playing with friends is a vital part of gaming, and we fail to meet the expectations of players who count on it every day. As a result, we have decided not to change Xbox Live Gold pricing. We're we're turning this moment into an opportunity to bring Xbox Live more in line with how we see players uh, at the center of their experience. Uh, For free-to-play games, you will no longer need an Xbox Live Gold membership to play those games on Xbox. We're working hard to deliver this change as soon as possible in the coming months. If you are an Xbox Live Gold member already, you stay at your current price for renewal. New and existing members can continue to enjoy Xbox Live Gold for the same prices they pay today. In the US, it's $9.99. These are US dollars. $9.99 for one month, $24.99 for three months, and then $39.99 for six months, and $59.99 for retail, 12 months. Tim. Yes. Uh, Friday, we got we got the the big news that they were mm-hmm. hiking it up to about one hundred and twenty dollars a year. Today, or I guess later in the day, uh, we got the reversal. How do you feel about it? Uh, it's pretty shocking, right? Like I I can't believe that this all happened. I can't believe it happened so fast and in typical Xbox fashion, kind of on a Friday night. Uh, we this isn't the first time we've seen them kind of make a big change, right, or announce something or like change their plans. I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, last minute. Uh, during nighttime when you can tell that nobody wants to be working, nobody wants to be having to figure all this stuff out, this mess on a Friday night. Last time, I'm not sure if it was Friday. I think it was, but the whole, the Series S kind of leaking and then they oh, yeah. uh, kind of like officially announce it, right? The coming out. So on that side, it's like, hey, good for you, Microsoft. Like they're clearly listening. Like they have people uh, with their ears to the streets when it comes to what people are looking for and and uh, are saying about the Xbox ecosystem. It seems like a crazy response to be able to happen that fast. And like, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories about like, was this the whole plan just so they could do this? And then it's like, no, that makes no sense. Like companies don't that big. Microsoft's not going to work that way. Like that's just, that's going a little too far. Um, But I I think that this does show, and there's a lot of people way smarter than me that uh, like Daniel Ahmad, you should check out his uh, Twitter thread about all this. It's very interesting. Kind of breaking down how he sees it all. shaking down of like this being something where clearly not everybody at microsoft agreed with the price change and it does kind of feel like this came off as like a motherfuckers i told you so as it was going on so it was easy enough to sway the right people to be like make the call we got to change this on top of that adding the free to play stuff that's been kind of talked about rumored for a long time i know like this whole year or yes last year like before we got into the the real unveiling of the Series X. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people expected them to straight up drop Xbox Live Gold and just make it free. Uh, and they didn't do that. And I think that this is them kind of delivering what that actually looked like, which is okay, the free to play side of things is that. Because you got to imagine with this, there's no way that everyone was on board for the price increase because people like Halo, the Halo devs, already were like oh it's free to play for halo and it's like well yeah this would kind of cause a big problem with all that like they needed to have like the 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 options to back down the buy-in from everybody they clearly didn't have that so that results in this which at the end of the day hey good for them they reversed it you know what this means we're probably not going to see a price increase for xbox live 
for a very long time, if ever, because it hasn't happened yet, and it's been a very long time already. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think this very much does scream. Somebody was there going, I told you guys that this wasn't a good idea. Uh, this is a part of the conversation we had on Friday when the news first broke was that this the price increase felt like a very not Xbox move. Given how well Xbox has been doing have, have been doing for the last two years as far as being uh consumer friendly, you know, and get and getting out some of the best deals that we have in gaming. Game Pass we talk about all the time being the best deal we have in gaming. For them to come out and be like, all right, cool, we're doubling the price of Xbox Live Gold, that feels so backwards in a way that yeah, I can't I I can easily imagine multiple folks over there being like guys we don't like this isn't the move trust us like you don't want to do this and then other people on the other side being like well we have xbox game pass right like we're trying to usher people into that like that's the better deal and so let's give them a reason and pro- probably the, the the sane folks over there are, are like please god no they're gonna get mad they're gonna get angry we already have we already pay for free to play you can't double this and then once it goes up there's the reaction and people get to say yeah we told you so we should reverse it we should also make free to play games available uh and so this seems like a, this this seems like very much like that and i i think this is an amazing response both in the timeliness of it but then also this leading to free-to-play games being available without xbox live gold like that's really the bigger news here uh because that's been i feel like that's been a fight that people have been fighting this whole generation because on the playstation side you don't have to have ps plus to play free-to-play games online Mm -hmm. and i think it uh, on friday natalie made the great point that yeah, like right now on, on Xbox, technically you have to pay $120 a year with that price increase if you want to just play Fortnite. Yeah. Or if you just want to play any free-to-play game online. Uh, yeah. And so this seems like the right move for sure. I mean, it definitely seems like a the right move for consumers as a whole. And when it comes down to, you know, the amount of kids out there playing Fortnite that are now going to be able to play with their friends on their Xbox because it's free. Because the parents are like, we're not going to get you this thing. Because the idea of paying for extra services for an online service, something nebulous like that, like that's the hardest thing to convince your parents when you're a kid. You know, oh, when yeah. it's a game, it's like, okay, they understand it. When it's like, oh, it allows me to play online. They're like, no, get the fuck. What are you talking about? Right. So it's like, that's great that it's going to allow so many more people to be able to play. On the business side of things, it's very interesting to look at Xbox and where they're at. Because at the end of the day, there's no way this is going to work out fantastically for them like there, there was a reason that they were trying to raise the money for the thing it's because they need money right like yeah. game pass we're, we've still yet to understand how this is actually feasible long term financially for them because if they're just spending so much money getting these games on game pass and they're getting money for game pass but like when you start doing the math on that like it i it's hard to kind of see a world where it adds up with with them absolutely winning right yeah so all their different sources of revenue start to add up and start making sense the moment that they get everywhere where game pass is synonymous with just mainstream usage in a way like a netflix is or whatever that's different then they're making money left and right from every device possible but where we're at right now with kind of the xbox pc ecosystem android phones with xcloud uh and you know soon to be like the samsung tvs and all that stuff like they don't have enough of a foothold to be able to have that be this like financial juggernaut So I understand them trying to raise money and get money from places that they know are reliable sources of income. The problem is they had to make those bad decisions alongside their good decisions. It's the compliment sandwich type thing. When they had all the goodwill, when they were announcing the Series X and the Game Pass and all the games coming and all that stuff, this if they wanted to do the price increase and kind of get away with it, they would have had to do it then. For them to do all the goodwill stuff, wait a bit, and then now, out of all times now, where, okay, the consoles launched, the kind of original launch lineup of games and whatever is is done with. And now it's kind of like, what's really coming to Xbox right now in the in the foreseeable future? Like we got medium coming out, right? Yeah. But besides that, it's not like it Halo was looming. Halo's no longer looming right now, right? Yeah. Like so for them not, to just come like out the and the news, looming. Exactly. Exactly. So the excitement of the things being announced is gone. And now it's just kind of we're here. And that's that's the next gen. That's how things are. I'm not saying Xbox versus PlayStation thing. I'm just saying, like, looking at Xbox, it's like for them to come out and announce news that's this devastatingly negative to consumers, mm-hmm. not a good look. So, of course, they're going to have to reverse it. But, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's like they can't get rid of this now. Like, they they can't just get back to that at some point. It's like they've they've made their step that – they've made their stance that in 2021 they understand they can't do this. And it's yeah. like, cool, well, that that's – cutting off another leg of revenue that you'll never be able to make again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, talking about 
Greg from Edmonton writes in and says, Morning, Blessing and Tim. Microsoft backtracked on the Xbox Live Gold price increases faster than my cat runs around the house after he takes a dump. So what was the point of attempting the, in- the increase in the first place? They must have known doubling the price would go over this way. A $10 increase would have been reasonable. Even Sony has done, done that with PS Plus in places like Canada. And further, why is gold even a thing? Xbox games on, on PC don't require it to play online. Games with gold is obsolete with Game Pass being a thing. At least they're finally allowing free-to-play games to be played online without gold. To me, they should have scrapped gold. Or to me, they should scrap gold. And if they want something at that price level, just do a Game Pass tier for $60 a year that, that only gets you Microsoft exclusives. I imagine tiers will be coming to Game Pass eventually anyway, as Microsoft is going to have to make money off of it somehow. Sorry for the long one. Thanks for all, thanks for all the great work you do, Greg from Edmonton. So, like, I think the question of why is gold even a thing is a question many people have, because I think we've been waiting for a while for gold to go to go away. Now that Game Pass Ultimate seems to be the thing that they want to push for. And I think the answer is simply it's free money. Like, to your point, Tim, of... Okay, yeah, Game Pass is such a deal, right? And Game Pass is getting people in, and they are losing money on that, probably. Gold is a thing that they are making free money on. Like, gold, people already have gold. Gold, gold is required for online. Gold, and they make the good point. Greg Edmonton makes the good point of, like, you know, game, games with gold doesn't feel as a substantial thing anymore now that Game Pass exists. Even when we read, read out games from games with gold, it doesn't feel like an event anymore. Right, like yeah. I read out, uh, I think it was last week. I read out the Indiana Jones game and quite a few other games, and it was even a decent list. I think Gears Five was on there, but even with that, like Xbox Game Pass exists, and so the 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 impact of that is felt much less. I think they could probably get rid of gold at any time, and nobody would really blink an eye or roll it into Game Pass Ultimate, and nobody would really blink an eye. But why do that when you're probably making a lot of money off this thing, and people are already into it? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, you know, following that logic, though, the the reality that I'm looking at is I'm shocked that they did this and took it back because with everything you just said, you know what's nicer than free money? More free money. More free money, yeah. And it's like, yeah, sure, people were upset, but that totally would have been a thing that they could have just pushed through and just been like, well, this is just the way that it fucking is and everyone will just have to deal with it because if you want to play multiplayer games that's the only that you're gonna have to do it and i think people would have done it a lot of people would have done it you know i i'm willing to bet that more than enough people would pay the 120 to make up for the amount of people that they would lose at the 60 level you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but they got people there that are like no we're not doing that because they care more about the optics than anything and to me that is some of the biggest proof of they are still in competition with playstation that we've seen a long time like they know that they can't lose the multiplayer battlegrounds entirely to the PlayStation side of things. So they can't risk the little victories that PlayStation can get over time. Mm-hmm. Tim, I want to move mm-hmm. on to story number two, which is more, I was going to say more sad news, but I guess story number one was happy news, but we're going to shift a gear into sad news. All right. Vicarious Visions is merging into Blizzard. This is from Brendan Sinclair at gamesindustry.biz. Activision Blizzard has moved its Vicarious Vision studio from the Activision side of the business to the Blizzard side. The publisher today, and of course this this article is from Friday, the publisher today told GamesIndustry.biz that, effective today, it is merging Vicarious Visions into Blizzard Entertainment. Going forward, the Vicarious Visions team of about 200 people will be employees of Blizzard and fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiatives, which means the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 studio will no longer be creating games as the lead developer. Quote, After collaborating with Vicarious Visions for some time and developing a great relationship, Blizzard realized there was an an opportunity for Vicarious Visions to provide long-term support, a representative explained to us. They declined to specify what the team has been working on with Blizzard or for how long. Vicarious Visions was acquired by Activision in 2005 and has worked on many of the publisher's biggest franchises over the years, including Guitar Hero, Spider-Man, Tony Hawk, Crash Bandicoot, Destiny, Skylanders, and Call of Duty. The studio will remain in Albany, New York. Now, off of that, you might be wondering, what are they working on then? Well, I'm going to throw it over to Wesley Yinpool at Eurogamer, who writes, Bloomberg reports Vicarious Visions has been working with Blizzard since, t- since 2020 on the Diablo franchise, including a planned remake of Diablo 2, potentially called Diablo 2 Resurrected. 
According to Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, the Diablo 2 remake was due to be developed by Blizzard's Team 1, the team that made the poorly received Warcraft 3 reforged, and before that, mobile flop uh, Heroes of the Storm in real-time strategy game StarCraft 2. But Blizzard gave the Diablo 2 remake to the team behind Diablo 4 instead, and now a group at Vicarious Visions is also working on it. As for Team 1, it seems to have been quietly disbanded, with some interviewing for jobs within Blizzard uh, and others leaving for independent studios. Tim, Vicarious Visions, now part of Blizzard, how do you feel about it? I don't think I've been this upset and bummed out by video game news in a very long time. And every every time I can remember, it's been a delay or something like that, and like or mm-hmm. something fucking serious and real and like real-world shit that at yeah. some point goes out of video games and it's like we're talking about human beings here. Uh, but just talking about pure video games, I am so, so bummed by this because Vicarious Visions have always had a soft spot in my heart dating back to like the GBA days and like just the like, even PS2, like just the games they would put out always spoke to me based on the, the IP that they were using. Like they made a lot, they would always help out with ports for stuff for teams that I loved, like Neversoft, um, where they would help out with the uh, guitar hero games where they would help out the teams with the transformers things like these are all franchises that tim gettys loves right but as you go on to the modern times of vicarious visions when they were really kind of allowed to you're no longer just porting something but you're kind of making something a bit more substantial uh i.e the crash bandicoot insane trilogy which is like not a port it was like actually m- more of a blue point style yeah remake right uh definitely a much bigger deal they got they had announced on the playstation e3 stage like that was a big moment like coming out party for vicarious vision similar to like what we saw bluepoint have going on from something like the uncharted trilogy uh ps4 versions uh, what's it called the nathan drake collection yeah nathan, yeah moving on to something like shadow colossus remake right uh, demon souls remake after that so crash bandicoot insane trilogy and then to to knock it out of the park with that because that was fantastic to then do Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake this year for as amazing as that game was, for how much love and care was put in that game, it is such a bummer that they're done. Like, we're not going to be able to see what they're going to do next, what they can do next. There's so many games that they can still give that type of love to. Tony Hawk 3 and 4, Underground, all that stuff. But in addition to that, they could do something new. Like, I have faith in them. I trust this team to do something dope in the same way that I look at Bluepoint and I'm like, I love them doing remakes. At some point, they're going to make a really dope original game, right? Mm-hmm. So it just kind of bums me out that we're not going to see that. Now, I understand Diablo 2 remake. This does make a lot of sense. When it, when it comes down to it, when I take my personal emotions out of the way, it's like, all right, obviously I would prefer Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and 4, but Money Talks, there's a lot of people out there and Activision, unfortunately for me, is looking at this and is like, all right, this team's really gifted at finding what makes the original special and at modernizing it. Let's do that for a game that is beloved by so many millions of people, Diablo 2. So I'm like, all right, fine. I guess I can't fucking win. Yeah, like I see how, I see how it makes dollars and cents sense, but it it feels like such an uninspired move for me of like, yeah, for, for it, it's everything you said, right? Vicarious Visions is a studio that uh in modern day has been making hit after hit, right? Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy was great. Tony Hawk 1 plus 2 is great. And I'm very much a big fan of that type of developer, right? The blue points, the Vicarious Visions, the folks who are like, "Hey, we have we have a specialty here and it is taking something that is a classic, right? And reworking it to be modern and uh, to be relevant again. And I like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally down for that because I think that then allows for us to get what we want in terms of nostalgia and returning to games that we love from our childhood or whatever. And then that also frees up other developers to do their own thing, right? Like Blue Point making Demon's Souls frees up whoever else from, uh, from making another Demon's Souls, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like, them being folded into uh, Blizzard in in order to make Diablo bums me out. Um, but then also like them disbanding the team one that was working on Diablo two is again like a bummer because like in, in the in the ideal perfect world right I would have wanted that to have been all right we're going we're going to continue to to uh, build build up the team right build up team one and figure out what the pain points are and work from there as opposed to being like 
all right, you guys fucked up. You're done. Like we're we're shutting down the team. You guys can disperse and we'll fold you into other divisions of Blizzard. But we're going to take these guys that we know and we're, we're going to have them work on the moneymaker. I get how that makes dollars and cents sense, but it, 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 it it's that harsh reality of business where I see it and I'm like, damn, that kind of sucks for me as the player that yeah. now we're not going to now we're not going to see what Tony Hawk three plus four looks like or now we're not going to see how a Tony Hawk Pro Skater six or whatever the next Tony Hawk game from a well, vicarious visions could look like. I've been thinking about this a lot this weekend, honestly. Uh, and again, being really bummed. I played, I, I booted up both Crash Insane Trilogy and Tony Hawk Remake uh, to play a little bit in honor of them uh, and the amazing work that they've freaking done. Uh, as much as this sucks, and it's weird to me because I would have never called this. Insane Trilogy sold so well. so well. We know that, like, there yeah. are so many numbers to back that up. Tony Hawk sold well. There are less numbers that, out there publicly so far for me to like be able to definitively say like this was a mega fucking hit uh that i could find at least but what is really weird to me is insane trilogy was kind of put out there and had a little bit of dlc of like old levels that they like found from the old code or whatever and that made sense the idea of dlc for crash didn't ever make sense like other dlc like that was done they did everything they possibly could for that collection for tony hawk there was so much room for dlc options and the game was built that way the way the level system yep. worked, the way that the, the amount of like things you could buy, the amount of updates that did happen for things like clothing and new decks and stuff. I was like, okay, they definitely built this out to be able to be eventually Tony Hawk one plus two plus three plus four or whatever it wanted it to be. And that didn't happen. Like getting to level 100, which you need to do to get the platinum and Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two is like prohibitively difficult and time consuming. And it totally led me to believe like, oh, once they add some DLC stuff, that's going to help with the leveling. And then it just didn't happen. So it's like, I do, I believe, I don't have any insider information, but I believe that there was a plan for Tony Hawk DLC that did not happen for whatever reason. And I think that reason is Vicarious got pulled off to mm-hmm. be put over here. Um, so I'm bummed, man. I'm, I was bummed when Neversoft got turned in, like killed and turned into a Call of Duty house. I will say that the, my gut reaction to this was fuck. They're gonna buy them. They're uh, not buying them. Uh, moving them in to make yeah. Overwatch skins, and it's not the case. At least they are still doing Diablo two remake. At least they are still using their skills and talents to make a game in the way that so far we know they do best. And yeah. the other shining light to this for now is Toys for Bob, who are the other company. They're the ones that did the Spyro collection and Tony or not Tony Hawk Crash Four, which was a brand new game and was fantastic. So as weird as it is, there is still some weird hope that maybe there are people at Toys for Bob that are as passionate for Tony Hawk as they were for Crash and seemingly Spyro before, and maybe they'll do Tony Hawk 3 and 4 mm-hmm. or, or Tony Hawk 6. I would right? hope so, man, because that was going to be my next question for you is what do you want from a new Tony Hawk game? Or do you, like, who would you want to work on it? And yeah, I think Toys for Bob would be a, a great pick because they do seem to be able to stand side by side with Vicarious Visions in terms of being able to deliver on that skill. And now, yeah, Crash 4 has proven that they can make a, a, a new game and have it stand alongside the classics as being something that feels genuinely next for the series. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome for them to work on a new Tony Hawk. I don't have the faith because, like, active. I, I feel like whenever Activision Blizzard makes a choice in terms of a new game announcement that feels new and fresh, the next thing is always like bad news following it. And so we get Insane Trilogy and we get Tony Hawk 1 plus 2. And then we get, okay, cool. Vicarious Visions is merging in. They're done. Like they're not doing that anymore. I feel I, I it, it's hard for me to think of something creative and fresh out of Activision Blizzard. And that's not me trying to like shit on the stuff that they do do because I do love Overwatch. I do, I do like Call yeah, of Duty. Totally. I do, I do like a lot of the games that come out. I, and I know a lot of people love Diablo and a lot of people are probably looking forward Thank to it. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> a lot of people are, are are looking forward to Diablo 2, I imagine, looking forward to Diablo 4 and all that stuff. Um, but, like, a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 6 or a Tony Hawk, like, a new Tony Hawk game from the ground up that is given to Toys for Bob to do. No, 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 feels... no, no. From the underground. Oh, my God. From the underground up from Toys for Bob. I think I've made that joke before, but I'll give it, whatever. I just that feel, that give feels almost too inspired <laughs> for Activision Blizzard to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I expect, I expect that kind of decision out of a company that, that is down to take risks and down to fuck around in that way, in a way that I don't think Activision Blizzard is that type of company. I think crash four is 
Crash 4 happened because that as as weird and quote unquote news that is that still feels like a safe bet in a way that anything that anything that anything that's beyond that a new Tony Hawk that like coming off of the heels of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 doesn't feel like something that is in the books in the works yeah sadly <sighs> here's to positive thoughts hoping for the best hoping for the best uh tim story number three is a fascinating one all right i'm gonna ask you a question here how much stock could a GameStop stock if a GameStop could stock stock let's ask GameSpot. uh, uh th- this is whole GameStop stock situation going on i woke up this morning looked on twitter apparently game stocks game stop stock is soaring it's all over the place and i searched far and wide on the internet for answers to what's going on thankfully GameStop or GameSpot, sorry GameSpot you. Bless, has me covered bless, you had one job for the show gather <laughs> the fucking news all right and you decided for this story to not only lead the story with a freaking tongue twister but then then to to cite the story about GameStop with GameSpot. You're I'm glad you appreciate this. You did, this, this, you did, I did this on purpose. I did this on purpose. I saw GameSpot had a great write up, and I was like, "This is perfect." So let's see how much stock could a good. I don't know how much stock could a GameStop. Uh, how much stock could a GameStop stock if a GameStop could stop stock stock? Close enough. Uh, this is from, this is what Haley Williams at GameSpot has to say, and it's a long read, and so follow along with me. Mm-hmm. GameStop's stock. <laughs> GameStop stock has become a battleground in the last week, waged between short sellers, Citroen Research, and, and devotees of Reddit trading community r slash Wall Street bets. Here's a rundown of why the company's stock has seen an 83% gain and why its unprecedented rally has been so controversial. GameStop's stock sat well below the $10 or sat well below $10 for most of 2020 until August, when Chewy founder Ryan Cohen bought a large number of shares, pushing the price up. After the company, after becoming the company's largest private investor, Cohen tried to discuss changes to the company with management and later ended up sending a, a letter to the board detailing how the company could be turned around. In the letter, he noted that GameStop's stock was one of the most most shorted around referring to short selling a practice where investors can sell borrowed stock that they that they think is going to decrease in value then buy back at a lower price thus keeping the difference as a profit are you following along so far tim yes i am in january this year cohen joined the board of directors which led to renewed faith in the stock from analysts and investors and a big problem for short sellers in a process known as a short squeeze, short sellers were forced <laughs> to buy back stock, bailing out on their gamble before prices rose too much. At this point, the stock was pri- the the uh, the stock was picked up by r slash Wall Street Bets, a subreddit that describes itself as like 4chan found a Bloomberg terminal. As quoted in a Wired article, one of one of the subreddit's mods said the GameStop stock was quote a meme a meme stock that really blew up end quote. The subreddit has over 2 million members and in the past has been known to drive rallies in unexpected stocks such as lumber liquidators and plug power, gaining the attention of the financial world at large. The true conflict over GameStop stock began when short seller Citroen Research tweeted saying that GameStop GME buyers at these levels are suckers at this poker game, end quote, predicting that the stock would soon go back to $20. The tweet amassed over 1,400 replies, mostly from GameStop investors who disagreed with the position. Citroen, Citroen later delayed a live stream, saying that people were trying to hack its Twitter, with managing partner Andrew Left uh, later saying that Citroen would stop commenting on the stock altogether due to ongoing harassment, as reported by Bloomberg. Left did... Uh, Left did still post a YouTube video listing five reasons to sell GameStop stock, which denied that the stock was seeing a short squeeze and pointing out GameStop's declining sales and high levels of debt. Most analysts place GameStop's value uh, around $12.50, that's $12.50 a share, with high estimates topping at $22, well below the $65 it closed out last week. Uh, for members of Wall Street Bets, however, the stock is about more than just money. They see it as a win against the, quote, fat cats of Wall Street. Quote, what I think is happening is that you guys are making such an impact that these fat cats are, worry- are worried that they have to get up and put in work to earn a living, a message by subreddit mo- moderators reads. 
For the time being, the trend only appears to be continuing. While the price has declined slightly since the start of, of Monday, uh, January 25th, it stands at $90.05 at the time of this writing, more than a 38% increase from the close of last week. So, so to sum it all up, there's a big battle going on over GameStop stock, and right now GameStop stock is at a very high. <laughs> and be careful if you're like thinking about uh, buying stock at GameStop. Uh, Kev, I sent assets a tweet that I would like you to bring up that kind of uh, puts this into some context. Oh, it's really blurry. But Jason Schreier tweets out uh, an image. Wall Street should have known. <laughs> there's a chart of buying GameStop that's... stock and the trading it back used to GameStop and it's way lower. That's hilarious. <laughs> Good for that you. Is hilarious. Jason Schreier, this is a fantastic tweet. Fantastic. That is an amazing tweet. That is an amazing tweet. But yeah, this it's it's been it's been fun reading through this morning. Like people like late Friday after KFGD, some people were hitting me up about this, and I was like, "Oh, GameStop stock, cool. I guess I'll cover it on Monday. We'll see what that's about." And reading through it this morning and seeing like the back and forth and seeing how volatile the the stock is currently, crazy. Especially for me, who I know I don't know shit about stocks. Learning learning about this game GameStop business has been fascinating, and so I highly recommend. If this fascinates you, go read into it. Have a ball. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Yes, absolutely. Stuff that I am interested in. Story number four, Platinum Games is teasing another announcement. This is Ethan Anderson at Twinfinite. Platinum Games revealed a new teaser site early last year. Uh, at that time, the, the website simply teased the number four without any other hints. Tim, you remember this? I do remember. It was me and you on the show. Yeah, we talked all about this. Uh, it currently houses details about the four Platinum Games announcements that have been made since launch. Now, a fifth is coming in 2021. The main image at the top of the site has changed as it now shows five stars with the descriptions floating around the number four at the top of the page. The fifth is currently just a string of question marks, while the others range from Wonderful 101 news to the recently revealed Project GG. This new Platinum Games announcement could be some anticipated news on Bayonetta 3, Babylon's Fall, or possibly even a brand new project. Uh, so to, to, to recap, uh, and Kevin, I see you brought it up for the, for the screen. Thank you. If you go through the four announcements that we got last year, right? We got the Wonderful 101 remastered coming soon. Cool. Uh, number two is Project GG. Awesome. Wait, is that uh, already out? Is it out? I don't know if we got more details on that, did we? Wonderful 101? I, I would have Oh, Wonderful yeah, 101. I thought you were talking about Project GG. May 19, 2020. Yeah, that kind of came and went, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that came out. <laughs> Uh, the third announcement was that Platinum Games is opening up Platinum Games Tokyo, and I believe that's been delayed because of COVID-19. Uh, and then number four uh, was a an April Fool's thing, and I forgot what that was. I remember that being a huge thing on April Fool's. I think it was a new game. But on the website, it still just says April 4 announcement, or uh, April Fool's announcement, so there's that. Tim, what mm -hmm. do you think this fifth announcement is? I don't know, man. I really, I couldn't even tell you. Because I feel like at this point, it would have to be near related, but like we already have near stuff coming out. Yeah, near replicants coming out coming out soon. There's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a near Automata sequel, like a new near, because the other one is like a, a remake or something, right? Yeah, near replicant is like a re, a, a remake of the previous title from Automata. I I hope it's Babylon's Fall stuff. I want to see more Babylon's Fall. That game looks super cool to me. It could also be Bayonetta 3, which I think would make sense. Somebody in chat says Scalebound, which we got to give up the dream. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. nothing. Like I, Pl I, Platinum is one of those studios where whatever they do, I'm down for it. You know, I feel like we talk about like there being black, uh, bad Platinum and good Platinum. I feel like we haven't gotten bad Platinum in a while. It's been a I feel long like bad, time. I feel like bad Platinum might have been put to rest. Legend of Korra and Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Ninja Turtles. It's weird because Transformers Devastation was so fucking good. And mm -hmm. then Ninja Turtles was so fucking bad. And they looked so similar. I don't, I don't know much about the teams. I don't know if it was the same team or different teams. I assume it was different. But yeah, this is the new story that we should probably call Imran for. I'm going to call Imran. Yeah, let's call Imran. Imran's in chat right now. He could just step into the, the stream, the Discord, oh. if you wanted to. Well, that's fantastic. Imran, come through if you, if, you, if you want to. <laughs> what would but. you want it to be? Oh, oh, there, there he is. Here. I love how this works. <laughs> I was 
because uh, I figured I, I popped into like the last three episodes. I probably wouldn't pop into this one, but you guys are. Gonna do it. <laughs> That's perfect. Imran, well, where's your head at with this with this uh, Platinum Games fifth announcement? I don't think it's going to be anything they're working with a publisher on. So I don't think it's going to be like Bayo or Near or Babylon's mm. Fall. It'll probably be like I don't know. Maybe if they got Wonderful One Hundred One back, maybe they could get access to Astral Chain. No. Maybe they'll get like one of their other IPs back. Maybe it's, it's like, oh, we're porting Mad World to new consoles or something. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> Mad World was okay. That game had some good things about it. Yeah, but it was it was black and white and bloody and on the Wii. <laughs> like that yeah, shit no, was fucking tight on the, on the Wii. <laughs> and on the Wii, oh man, back when it was Wii Sports and in um, Twilight Princess, you got Mad World and it was like, whoa, this is what the Wii's been waiting for. That bloody yeah. bloody goodness. Like, hey, Ron, you know way yeah. more than than I do about platinum. Do you know, was it different teams that worked on Transformers Devastation and the Ninja Turtles game? Uh, not necessarily different teams. People move around a lot. Platinum is really big, though. Like, they can support a number of games at once. Uh, I think it's more that those games were published by Activision. Activision did not give them enough time to do anything. Mm. Time or money. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, those are the games, man. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. I appreciate right. the insight. All right. I'm out. Tim, I, I want to move on to story number five. But before I do, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash games where you can get the show ad-free. And surprise, patreon.com slash games is also the sponsor. Of course, your support means the world to Kind of Funny. Because of you, the audience, Kind of Funny is able to do cool things like hire Snowbike Mike, hire Roger Horning, launch The Blessing Show, do awesome daily Twitch streams, have awesome guest spotlights on Kind of Funny Games daily, and so much more. You can head to patreon.com patreon.com slash kind of funny games if you want to support kind of funny games daily and all the content that we produce on this side of kind of funny and you can gain special perks like exclusive content post shows becoming a patreon producer and so much more once again just go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games to support the show and learn more about what we have to offer isn't that right tim Mm -hmm. it's absolutely right story number five could we get a new star wars knights of the old republic not from EA, this is Sheriff Saeed over at VG247. A new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is reportedly in the works. The new game, said to be a remake or reimagining of uh, some description, will not be developed by original creators Bioware. One report from Cinelix indicates that the game would be a sequel of some sorts that builds on elements from both of the classic Knights of the Old Republic games. The game would would also canonize some of the characters and events as it will be produced under Disney, similar to Jedi Fallen Order and Battlefront 2, characters from both of which exist within the new canon. However, it's not clear who's actually making the game. Right around the same time that report came out, noted Star Wars podcast Bespin Bulletin revealed that, <laughs> revealed that they too uh, have, heard, have heard that a new Knights of the Old Republic game is in development. However, it will not, on- it will, it will not only be made outside of Bioware, it also won't be published by EA. As for who's actually making the, the new Knights of the Old Republic, no one is really sure. Over on Reset Era, Insider Shinobi602 said the developer won't be a household name, but that it won't be entirely surprising once it's confirmed. Indeed, uh, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier previously noted that we won't be able to guess the studio's name. Tim, yes. what are your thoughts? New KOTOR. Very interesting stuff. Obviously very excited if it's real. Uh, I will say that I saw an update about this Best Bin Bulletin the star wars podcast thing where he was just like mm-hmm. whoa, whoa you guys took what i said completely out of context like i was predicting what might happen not saying i know what's happening so mm-hmm. that i think we can kind of take out of this but uh even with that i wouldn't be surprised if we we get a kotor um especially with you know uh what's it called now lucas games lucas film games yep, lucas film games right uh coming out and like last week having that was it last week whatever the big coming out party we have indiana jones uh you know star wars stuff isn't just ea all that it's like cool we got some some big announcements here um and i I can see them kind of growing and of course if they're giving a shit and looking at their their catalog they're gonna look at kotor and be like this is what we got to do for the hardcore this is the this is our chance to like win back so many people it not being ea or bio or bioware is interesting and i would not be shocked like i think that if it was them at this point we would hear the game would have been announced already like, I do think that it would have been something that we would have seen at EA Play last year, um, at least an announcement. So I've said that this whole Jason Schreier and Shinobi kind of talking about it not being a household name is interesting. I wonder what qualifies as household name. 
uh, I don't know who I'd even want to do this. It'd be interesting to see somebody like, I mean, I've heard Blue Point be thrown around, but that's more if it was mm-hmm. a remake. This seems like it's a a new this game. Seem, but yeah, this seems I, like it's a reboot. But I would be interested in a reboot of KOTOR as a whole that takes ideas from the first two games, but kind of like isn't actually a remake. It's like a, a semi-reboot remake type new I feel like forward. I, I feel like if you do it as, as Lucasfilm games, you definitely do a reboot. One, you because you want to modernize it uh, and making it a ga- make it a game that would play great in 2021 or 2024, whenever this game comes out. Uh, but then also with the idea of canonizing it, yeah, I think if you're going for Star Wars, especially with with how protective Disney is and all that stuff, you want to be able to be like, okay, from the ground up, moving forward, this stuff is canon, and that's probably more difficult to do with a remake uh, or with like a with a strict remake uh, of the first two games. Here's my prediction, though is it will not be knights of the old republic it will be knights of the high republic which is what disney's been pushing super hard right now uh era wise with the star wars stuff hmm. that i What's think allows I've them not heard of that the high republic is like the, it's uh i forget the name of it it's not project luminous that's square stuff it's it's something like that though hmm. uh but they announced some project that is a bunch of different um projects underneath an umbrella of comics and books and uh a whole bunch of other things we're expecting some of the Disney Plus shows will probably take place during this era as well, eventually. But uh, it's kind of like just a, a different era of the Star Wars legacy that they're really tapping into right now because it's really far away from all the Skywalker stuff we're familiar with. But there's still a lot of dope Jedi and cool colored lightsabers is essentially what it boils down to. It allows them to make new stories and make new characters without them having to interact with the characters we're familiar with. So with that, I can see them totally wanting to make a KOTOR style game modernized uh with elements maybe from the original game i wouldn't be surprised if revan then gets moved into high republic instead of old republic uh in the new canon in the same way they've changed they've taken thrawn but changed his story but kept elements that make him thrawn Mm -hmm. right um so no matter what i'm excited for this uh and, and what it could end up being but i i'm really interested on when we're gonna actually hear about it yeah I'm excited to see who would be developing it because I think it makes 100% sense that at the very least that Bioware isn't doing it because Bioware is such a busy studio right now. Like they have like four projects that are, that are in the works, right? Between Anthem Next and Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Dragon Age and then a new Mass Effect. They do not have space or time for uh, a new Star Wars game. And so I think that makes sense. But yeah, it not being published by EA, I think is also a little bit surprising, but also has me excited because that means that the door is open you know, like what RPG developer would you want to give this to? And and them saying it's not a household name, but you also w- wouldn't be surprised to, if uh, once, you won't be surprised once you hear it. Like that has me fascinated. That makes here's me my think. Thing. Like, here's my thing, man. Go for it. Is it exclusive? And I think that this Possibly. is going to be a big question we have for the next couple of years about a lot of different games because with Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Bethesda, they now have a fleet of developers talented developers that can make games either based on traditional bethesda ip or in the case of machine games making indiana jones hey they can partner with disney's ip to make a game will that be exclusive to xbox we'll have to wait and see again we've talked this to death but i really feel like it's a 50 50 situation where until otherwise noted why wouldn't it be exclusive but they can totally come out and be like, hey, we're, just, we're trying to make money. We're pushing Game Pass. So there is a financial model that makes sense there to also put it on PlayStation. But yeah, looking at Marvel games, which is also under Disney, right? They've done this, Spider-Man, Insomniac, PlayStation. We already know how that can possibly work. I wouldn't be surprised if Lucasfilm Games is taking a similar model and taking a bunch of their different uh, IP farming them out to different developers and if some of those developers happen to be exclusively tied to a platform guess what that's a nice paycheck so i can see that kind of making sense for their portfolio when you look at it as a whole where there will be games that are multi-platform but there will be some like big mainstay heavy hitters that are exclusive here or there yeah this is this is a fun game to play to try and think of who would be the ones developing this because you mentioned like is it exclusive as you're asking that like the, the studio that did come to mind for me was in exile uh but we just got word uh a few weeks ago that they're 
hiring for a first-person RPG, and I don't think a Knights of the Old Republic would be a first-person game. But who knows? Like maybe that all that stuff gets remixed, or who knows when this deal happened to make this game? All that stuff, you know. But then Obsidian also comes to mind, and Obsidian already has um, avowed, announced. But like, who knows what they could be working on beyond that? Um, I think beyond uh, whatever the the studio like microsoft is an interesting place because they have rpg studios like they have almost like a monopoly on rpg studios when you think of western rpg westerns yeah yeah and so i'm trying to think of like third party or playstation studios or other studios that could possibly working on nice of the old republic and it's hard to really like think of ones that 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 makes sense for that game that aren't microsoft yeah but like look here's the thing why wouldn't it be microsoft i mean that's a good point like, I, I don't think that they're looking at it like, oh, it all has to be on PlayStation. It's like, no, nah, man, like Microsoft clearly has the money right now that they're throwing out and they're trying to push Game Pass. I would not be surprised if KOTOR or Knights of the High Republic ends up being made by someone like uh, Obsidian. I don't know. Yeah. Like, but the thing with that. It'll line up. That gets weird is the household name thing. I mean. At some I'm, point, I'm, I'm, Obsidian isn't really a household name. I guess it depends on how you define household name. Yeah. They're a household name to us. To everybody mm-hmm. else, I don't think they're necessarily a household name to the average gamer. In Exile, I feel like fits that perfectly. Of like, yeah, mm-hmm. Exile definitely isn't a household name. But it also, I could also see them working on a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic or whatever that may be. Yeah. But that's a game studio, obviously too busy. And also, they are a household name. Yeah. Totally. We'll have to see. It won't be them yeah we'll have to see uh last new story for the day story number six tencent is making some big moves this is this is two new story new stories that are packaged in one and so we're going to start off with uh this article from eric van allen over at gamesindustry.biz who talks about how they've been acquired uh or how they're acquiring a majority stake in clay clay entertainment founder jamie chang uh announced in a forum post today that the studio has agreed to 10 cents purchase of a majority stake in the developer behind don't starve Oxygen not included in Grifflands. In a forum post, Chang says Clay will retain full autonomy and that there will be no changes to staffing, projects, or other operations. Quote, this partnership helps us navigate a changing industry and helps us focus on what we do best, making unique experiences that no one else can, end quote. Last month, Tencent also announced a takeover of Liyu Technologies, Technologies Holdings, which included Warframe developer Digital Extremes, UK studio Splash Damage, and Athlon Games, which is currently working on a Lord of the Rings MMO with Amazon Game Studios. That's part one of the story. Part two, I'm going to take it over to Derek Strickland over at Tweaktown, uh, who writes about how they're saving up big money to acquire more. But who, question mark? Sources tell TMT Finance that Tencent is raising billions to buy out a new game company. Insiders believe Tencent could force a hostile takeover of Grand Theft Auto parent company Take-Two Interactive or possibly make a deal to buy out EA. The more likely scenario sees Tencent buying a South Korean developer, sources say. Targets include Netmarble, South Korea's biggest mobile game maker, and Nexon, the developer behind Dungeon Fighter. Tencent is already the third biggest shareholder in Netmarble with a 17.6% stake and could force a hostile takeover by acquiring more stake in the company. Tencent also has, has exclusive rights to publish Nexon's Dungeon Fighter in China, showing the giant has existing connections with both firms. Tim, Tencent, Holy they're shit. one to look out for. They're making I mean, big moves. They have been, and you know it's been scary for a while, only going to get scarier. If they bought EA, that is raw power yeah in the west if they bought take two interactive <laughs> that yeah. would be some raw power right having gta in your hand like that yeah no i mean like that is that's it. all either of those would be insane and this is the type of news story that we can't just look at and be like oh that'll never happen this very well could happen like tencent has their their hands in everything and they're just making money everywhere oh, so yeah. if they were to get to a point that they could do this they would right and oh, yeah. once they do that, it's like, it's just going to like keep growing like that. This is pretty insane. Like the idea of an EA shakeup could potentially be interesting. It being under 10 cent. I don't know. I, yeah, I wonder how be, that looks. Yeah. Like, I, cause I think, I mean, who knows? Like, what does a shakeup look like for EA? Like, especially with 10 cent, 10 cent, which is a company that is very money focused. I wonder if, I wonder if that changes EA all that much because EA, I think is a company that, 
we kind of we kind of see and view as as money focused with the franchises that they run with right like ea mm-hmm. sports and star wars and sims and stuff that in the same way that i talk about activision not making the inspired move of making a tony hawk a new tony hawk game from toys for bob ea kind of strikes me as a company also even though ea does do things here and there like it takes two or their ea originals which you know are inspired and cool and awesome and have respawn with apex and um I, jedi fall in order which you could also say is money move but overall like a 10 cent takeover of ea i I'm curious if that would change them from their core at all, or if it would just be business as usual because they bring in money anyway. Yeah. I mean, I do think it would just be an added additive exponential money move where yeah. things would just like, they would double down on the things that work for them making money and they would like, cut back on things like the EA originals, you know, like why mm-hmm. would they keep investing in that? Um, but yeah, keep an eye on this. We'll have to see it. I, if I had to bet, it would probably, be not take two or ea would be someone else but i do think that uh all of those would just be gobbling on a on a way to ea or take two they're the big dogs you know there aren't that many big dogs in the in the race so for sure and honestly like this them gobbling up a big dog i feel like the biggest thing would be 10 cent that would put them in a position to maybe gobble up even more big dogs totally and so like the quite like it isn't out the realm of possibility that it becomes both ea and take two interactive at some point Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Tim, very curious to see the future of Tencent and how how much more they can devour out of the industry. But that's probably so far away, right? If probably. I wanted to coming out to mom and drop shops today, <laughs> where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got Solace 128 for Switch and then Ziggy the Chaser for Switch. Ziggy the Chaser. Ziggy the, the Chaser. And then uh, a new date for you, Super Red Hot Hero is coming to Steam on February 17th, 2021. Uh, this game is the creation of a KFBF and his team. It's a fast-paced, Ooh. side-scrolling platformer that's like a mashup of Super Meat Boy and Mega Man. So get hyped for that. Show Hell Super yeah. Red Hot Hero some love. Uh, Kevin, I saw that you're that you're copying and pasting Ziggy the Creator. Or maybe that's Tim that's doing that. Oh, oh that's that Tim. Me. Never mind. That's Tim. It's not worth that's it. Tim. Cool. Kevin, could uh, could you look up actually Super Red Hot Hero? Because nah, I kind of want time to for that. Be being realistic. You know? ain't got time? Oh, I guess we are we are running late. We got a stream. Um, of course, you guys do a great job of asking questions that are relevant to the show. And so I asked, I, I put your questions into the news stories. Good job, everybody. You killed it. So let's jump right into kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Where you're writing, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. Uh, Nanobot just confirms what Tim was talking about, right? Where the Series S leaked uh, overnight on a Monday. Um, or I guess that's the you're wrong. Nanobot writes in and says the Series S leaked overnight on a Monday, not a Friday. Xbox's response was, out, was at 2 a.m. Eastern on the following Tuesday, which, was, which is getting to what Tim was, was talking about. Uh, let's see here. Also, go check out Super Red Hot Hero. It looks cool. Nailbot just says the High Republic is Project Luminous. Oh, really? Wait, what? I swear to God, Luminous, Luminous Project. Uh, now Bosch says regarding KOTOR developer, y'all are forgetting Obsidian who made KOTOR 2. We did, we mentioned Obsidian quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. My point was that Obsidian is working on a Vald, which I, I think would put, make them too busy to work on a, like they're working on a Vald and they're also working on Grounded and other stuff. I think it'd be exciting to see them work on KOTOR, a new KOTOR. I, I mean, well, here's the thing. KOTOR 2, not the best. There was no KOTOR 1. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't the best. But I do think that the Obsidian we're talking about today is a very different Obsidian than than then. Uh, one more from Nanobot just says, uh, Tim, you're thinking of Luminous Engine and Luminous Studio from Square. Is that I is very that much it? am. I very much am, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. This week's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this. Tomorrow is Greg and Fran Mirabella. Wednesday, it's me and Emron. Thursday, it's Greg and Tim. And then Friday, it's Greg and our Kind of Funny Spotlight for this week, Giancarlo Valdez. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is Snowbike Mike, Nick, and Andy playing some of them video games. What are they playing? You'll have to stay tuned to find out because I don't know. 
<laughs> of course, this has been kind of funny games daily Hit each and every day live right here Hit on Twitch. They're playing Hitman. Yeah. Oh, I might show up. Wow, oh, I got to record PS Love You. Dang it. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games <laughs> Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching, or no, we have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, Game Daily. Motherfuckers acting like I didn't play KOTOR 2. Get the fuck out of here. Tell them. <laughs>